Welcome to the T&D podcast brought to you by TomTom. We think you're trucking awesome. You deserve a trucking awesome app. That's why today we're excited to talk about the ultimate trucking companion, TomTom Go Navigation. With premium features designed to make every delivery a breeze, Go Navigation ensures you reach your destination efficiently and stress-free. Hello and welcome back to the Trucking Driver podcast coming to you from Gothenburg in Sweden where I am at the Volvo launch for the new Aero range. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Matt Ireland. Hey. Yeah, that's not bad. Run quite well. Now that we're sponsored, we're getting them out every week. So it's not that long since you were last on. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, since then, we've had another company go out of um, business, unfortunately. Yeah, the rumours were quite rife, unfortunately, before it actually got talked about officially uh, with Gwyneth Shippen from Wales. I think their main base was Hollyhead. And I think I'm right in saying they, they, I think they were into three figures of trucks anyway. I think they were... A fair old fleet, unfortunately, but yeah, the rumours are circulating for about a week before it actually got got put out in the press. So, sadly, yet another a fairly long-established company is um, bit in the dust, and everybody that seemed to have worked there had good things to say about them. So, yeah, just a sign of the times, I guess. Yes, I don't know what well, they say when you're into three figures of trucks. That's a lot of work that's not getting done anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, somebody's going to have to pick it up. I don't know. Sometimes some things come out the ashes of, of these things, and other things come out. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. you know, you've got to think about the drivers and all the the staff, all the administrative people who are out of jobs all of a sudden. So, yeah. hopefully, they can get sorted out. I did see on social media there were people kind of making efforts to get drivers new positions. So, good luck and all the best to everybody from from there. Yeah, not a good time of the year to be looking for. For new employment, because it's still pretty quiet out there. Yeah, well, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised when I was able to get out for a whole week with that Volvo Turbo Compound last week, which I did. I did. I racked up a good couple of thousand kilometres. Almost all of it was running at forty-four tons. This is the FH four sixty. It's a lower output of the Turbo Compound, but it is two thousand six hundred newton meters of torque. Mm-hmm. But it does have the iSave package on. <laughs> which is economy mode at all times, locked out gears you can't change down on the hills. Yeah. And it was struggling at 44 tonnes going in the big hills and the A74M, the A1M, places like that. Until on the Thursday, I worked out a way how to cheat the lockout on the gearbox. Right. Go on. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. If you can't work out how to do it, then you don't deserve to. It's quite easy. <laughs> Fair enough. I worked that out on the Thursday. The thing about it is, it's absolutely fine at 35 tonnes, round up maybe 37, 38 tonnes. It's fine. The, the shifting strategy and the way it wants to pull is okay. When you load it to full weight, it's too much for it. It's too slow. If you're running mid-weight stuff, if you're running like palletized freight from the Midlands to London a couple of times a day, that truck could potentially give you well into double figures MPG. It was doing 12 miles to the gallon, lightly loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but good. once I got it all the way down, it got it, its lowest point was about 7.7, but that was running with a tall curtain cider into those gale force winds of Storm Joycelyn. Yeah. That was, I was really glad I was fully weighted coming up the road that day because the A66 was shut. The day after I did the podcast last, the previous episode with Niall, 
And um, yeah, there were guys with an axle up with cutting sliders on, and they were not having a good time. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I pulled in. I pulled it well because I couldn't get across the sixty-six. I pulled into the Barton Park truck stop, which mm-hmm. is just north of Scotch Corner on on the A1. Um, yeah, it was completely flooded. It looked like a lake. And I pulled into it. I didn't get out the truck because I was just pulling in for a 45 and I went for a, a, a sleep. And I put the video up. We put it on social media. And as of uh, as of today, it's getting on for 100,000 views. Oh, crikey. Which is nuts. It's weird the things that go viral. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were people like, ah, what are you doing? You'd have to be off your head to park in there. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. They 66 was shot and I needed a break. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. Needs <laughs> must. Well, it would be difficult if you parked in there during the night and you ultimately had to get out the cab for whatever reason because you would be stand, you would need wellies because you would be shin deep in water. There's a, a big drainage issue in there. But I remember, I remember going in there over 10, well over 10 years ago and it was like well cratered and everything. It was really rough. So it was one of those places that it's good that it's a spacious, relatively spacious site for trucks. But oh, wow, it could do with a bit of asphalt. Yeah, it's been a, probably about the same time for me being in there as well. I can't honestly can't remember the last time I went in there or with what, but yeah, I remember it certainly wasn't a nice asphalt parking area. That's for certain. It's one of those places because I would if I'm in that area, most of the time I would go across to sixty six. So I've not really got much call to go in there. No. Out of your way. Yeah, I've got ten. It's not far, but I just tend to forget about it. But I was in the um, Echo Fecking truck stop last week, the Fecking Diner, as it's yeah. called. Mm-hmm. That's F-E-C-H-A-N, by the way. Yeah, I'd never been in there because th- that was local to Les Mahago. Yeah. Uh, no Les Mahago. Well, it's not far, but it's not far from Lockerbie, which, yeah. of course, is shut now. So, yeah, I got in the Echo Fecking. It's, it's a bit confusing because it seems that... The, there's two truck stops there. The, the first entrance you go in is like a hate and cool tard yard or something. Yeah. But it's also a lorry park. Does that belong to somebody else? I don't get it. One of J.R. Dixon's was in there and I parked beside him and this like uh, Polish guy was over and I couldn't work out what he was asking me. I didn't know if he was talking to me that I shouldn't be parked there. But it wasn't until I went away that I realised he was asking me if I if he could park there. Right. So I was explaining to him, I must have been like Homer Simpson to him or something. He was talking to me and I'm like, this is a demonstrator unit from Volvo. <laughs> I, I'm working for AAD this week. I'm like, I must have looked like such a dick to him. I couldn't, make, I couldn't work out where he was. So eventually when he went away, I was like, oh, I realised what he was asking me. And I was like, wait a minute. Because I was like, this doesn't look like the the feckin' diner. So I went mm-hmm. and walked up, went into the feckin' diner, spoke to them in there, and I said, see that bit when I'm parked down there? That's not yours, is it? And they're like, no. I was like, right. So I had to go up because the initial plan was I was going to park in there and do, wait for another lorry to come in and swap the trailers and swap my potatoes for chocolate. But that got changed back to me just doing the potatoes. So I only stayed at the diner for a 45. And I got a shower, which was... Um, Fine, 12 minutes in the shower, I think it was like two quid or something. Yeah. And I got burger and chips, the prices weren't expensive. And then I had just enough time to get back to Stirling. And the only reason I made it back into Stirling was because I cheated the gears on that truck. Yeah. Because I, I managed to knock it in 11th at the bottom of the hills, which right. it just wouldn't do. 
Because it was we're going back to you know the hill on the A the A seventy four M in Scotland, but it goes from two lanes to three, and then it's a big steep hill that goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally a truck would go into eleventh at some point there, but the I say four sixty Volvo wants to go up the whole thing pretty much in top, and then it loses loads of speed before it goes down into eleventh, and it might go back into twelfth again. And yeah, it's just it's un it's weird because it's not uh, it's not lacking in power. It just doesn't want to give you it. So right. I cheated my way all the way back up. And I got back to the the merchants at Stirling where I could park. I didn't pay for parking all week. I I spent the night. Do one night at a farm, one night at a potato merchant, one night at Kincardine, and another one part. Of, where was it? It was just at the side of the road. It was just at the side of the road somewhere. Anyway, but it was a good spot. to remember that. I was like, yeah, this is a good place to be. Yeah, the Feck and Diners. Yeah, from from Emirates, good food as well. And I believe it's the. Someone might correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the only 24 hour truck wash in the UK. Because uh, I used to go in there quite a lot. Go either going up to Scotland or coming back down because it's in the middle of the night, and I knew I could get a truck wash, so uh, I'd always sort of pop in there and get it done. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, the la- the ladies in the place were were nice anyway. Because again, it's one of those places because of the locations I pull out of. It's not it's rarely somewhere I would have stopped. But now I'm in the in the past I probably would have gone into Lockerbie, which is very slightly further up. And the rare occasions I would need to, I've only ever stopped overnight in Lockerbie once. But yeah, no, it was nice in there. But it was getting, it was pretty much full quite early on because it's 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 not that big. No, um, cool. The bit where all the hate and cool tad lorries was was huge. But I don't know what the score is with that because there are two signs saying lorry park. I honestly don't know. I've never quite worked that one out. I sort of looked at it and thought it looks more like a sort of trailer yard for dropping and swapping and things like that. So, um, but I suppose if they're subbies for. Coolfards, they're allowed to be in there. I, I, I really don't know. So yeah, but there wasn't like a barrier around stopping anybody coming in. Mm. I'm just yeah. googling fucking truck stop. Uh, the fucking diner, fucking truck stop. The stop at Echo Fucking Erdley International. So is it Echo Fucking Truck Stop and the fucking diner, Erdley International Truck Stop? That that's the fucking diner because the Erdleys used to run out of there. I believe, didn't they? With the fridge trailers. Why is this? T- why is this? Oh, my phone's going into Swedish because I'm in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, forty spots. That's the one. That, yeah, that's it there. Uh, this is confused. Oh, I don't know. Just somebody can, somebody can just explain it to uh, to me uh, in context, and I'll just explain it in the podcast next week because I did get I did get some feedback from something I mentioned in the last podcast, which was the definition of high sided vehicles. So a thank you goes out to John Bagley, who sent me from National Highways and Humber Bridge the definitions of vehicles that are vulnerable in strong winds. It includes motorhomes, tippers, vans, transit vans with modifications. So um, <laughs> if you've got a transit van with a big set of alloy wheels, a stripe up the middle of it and a sun visor. Or you own uh, super van. Yeah, then you're at risk. Articulated HGVs, empty or full, car transporters, high-sided, rigid HGVs. So we are now closed to high-sided and wind-vulnerable vehicles. This is what comes up on the Humber Bridge. So this is at least their definition of it. And it's got articulated vehicle of any sort, empty or full, like a general haulage vehicle. So that would include fridges. Tippers, empty or full, arctic or rigid. So if you've got a 32-ton eight-wheeler or a 44-ton rigid bulker full of scrap, 
you're a high-sided vehicle. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought you'd be, if that gets blown over on its side, I wouldn't imagine the bridge would be doing too well itself. It also includes furniture and looting vans, vehicles with roof boxes, and vehicles that are not classed as high-sided. Uh, the vehicles that are big but not classed as high-sided includes tankers. So if you've got a tanker, you're not high-sided on the Humber Bridge anyway, so an interesting... Is that because yeah. it's because it's round, it would deflect, or, jet, or rounder, I should say, because not all are completely round, are they? But with the shape of them, they'll deflect the wind around them more, do you think? I guess so. I don't. I, I guess so. Are you, are they're just hedging their bets so there's no grey area at all, saying none of you can come across. You're almost certainly high-sided if you don't have a tanker or a flatbed, I think. Yeah, blame culture, though, isn't it? They don't want to be told, well, you said I could go across it, so you just blanket ban everything. Surprise, like a 32-ton rigid tipper, that's not good, you know. The sides yeah. are on them. I'd be more concerned about my sheet. I remember at Taylor Morrison, we had ratchet straps on the sheet yeah. to hold it down. And, of course, I went into uh, the quarry, the furthest away quarry, away out near the calendar, and I forgot that I had the ratchet strap on for the wind, put the switch on for the, the sheet. Ah, so that was a good day, that. I was like, hi, Excellent. George, I've broken the sheet. Um, is it, where are you? I'm at like, the furthest possible away, Corey. So I had to run back empty to get to go and get another lorry for how they fix the sheets. I was a popular man that day. So I can and imagine. I yeah, I know. Well, I went and got a bit of... I kept duct tape in the cab, and whenever I had the, the ratchet strap on, I would stick a bit of duct tape over the switch. <laughs> well, you know, once bitten, twice shy and all that. Well, yeah, well, yeah. It's like people who've had an accident or something are considered at high risk of having that particular kind of accident. Is it? No, they'll be the least likely to have that kind of accident because yeah. they're the ones that know that they definitely they won't do it again. again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you been Have you been out driving anywhere much at the moment? Are you still bumming about locally? Yeah, still bumming about locally on the woodshavens. So uh, nothing too exciting. Just um, yeah, on the eight wheeler and the and the Arctic, just a. A little mixture of it, but it's it's easy enough and enjoyable enough. You know, it's very stress free, so I can't can't grumble with it. So um, that's that's me. Well, certainly to the end of March, I think is what I'm booked for now. So, but like I said at the beginning, it's so quiet out there. I'm just just grateful to have some work, really, which is nice. Yeah. One thing that does help kill the boredom. I I think I messaged you about this, didn't I? Yeah, you have asked you... me if I used it. Um, yeah. I said, I've got, on, yeah, I know I, this is about um, the Midland CB Talk app, because I've yes. got a Midland CB, but that's a fat lot of use for anything these days. Yeah, but there's, so the Midland CB app is just exactly that, but you can talk nationwide on it, which is quite good, and you can even get an actual Midland microphone that's Bluetooth, so you can u- actually use it to talk as if you're talking into a CB, which is pretty good. As it, it was my mate Jim Barker uh, told me about it, and you can then set up different groups on there. There's quite a few, from what I understand, because I'm only a one because I'm a bit of a luddite. And also, my route takes me through Thetford Forest, which doesn't have any signal. So a lot of the time, I couldn't talk even if I wanted to. But I think some of the um, more popular truck drivers of the UK frequent a different group i believe an awful lot from what i understand but it's a it's a good way of having a, just a chat with just random people uh, well, across the world really because there's there's users in america turkey australia just sort of everywhere so if they're in this group 
or or the group that you're in and they're on channel you can have a chat with them because there's the group i'm in there's at least one chat from america and i think there's one from canada so you can just talk to them as if they're just sort of in front of you so it's um that can be quite interesting really and there's even a map on the app you can click the map and see where the people are who are sort of currently available for a chat yeah i'm going to put that in the next magazine i'll have to try and download it but i couldn't not try download it i won't download it yeah <laughs> it was it was one of them one of the users uh woody suggested to me about um trying to find some of the old iconic show trucks from back in the day God, well, God, how many God. show trucks have survived because i mean if you go back through all the old issues of trucking driver going right back to the 80s there's a lot of fancy trucks in there with, with modifications that were of their time there's some really interesting units across all sorts of different makes the most notable one in recent years was the centurion the yellow one yeah john phillips one which is that's been um restored now hasn't it yeah that's the most notable one but what how what how many of these famous trucks were there and how many have survived mm. any? or at the very least what happened to them yeah. they're running about kenya like jamaica or nigeria now any of them yeah, exactly. Well, I've I made a start on investigating some of them, and I spoke to Craig Potter, who I believe he had the very first fully airbrushed truck in the UK. He had the Ice Warrior Scania 143, the Riggs and Twigs one, many years ago. Do you, if you remember that one? And he, no. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, from, from what he told me, that was Matt the Painter's very first full airbrush job. But he was still at college when he did it, and Craig only originally wanted his side deflectors airbrushed, and Matt asked if he could do the entire cab because he's never done one before. So Craig said, well, all right, well, I'm going to be running with a fridge. So um, he came up, you know, Matt came up with a theme and came up with everything for it. So um, that was quite an iconic truck. He ran it for a few years, then he, he sold it, and I think within two weeks of selling it, it got rolled in Derby, and then I think it got, it either got rebuilt or recabbed, but it was recabbed plain white, and that was kind of the end of end of that one. But he then had the Mad Max DAF 95 500 with the Cummins in it, and he mm. also had, had another 95 with the 430, which is the biggest engine at the time, and that was the Ice Warrior 2. That one ended up, when that was sold, that got <laughs> bought by UTS, a removal company, who painted it plain white, which seems a hell of a waste. And I'm still trying to find out what happened to the Mad Max livery Cummins one because I believe it ended up in Germany and then possibly Poland. But that's as far as I've managed to get so far with that. So, um, but the, yeah, a bit of history. And Craig now, he drives tour buses in the in the music world. So uh, <laughs> I was quite surprised to find that out. Uh, but yeah, then you've got like Roy Gill, all of his mm. trucks. Yeah. Just, it's just a case of making a start on all of these, really see see what i can find and, and and dig out and and that some of them have got to be hidden somewhere still in barns or something like that surely oh there absolutely must i mean i was up um near thurzo at the end of last year i went to see the last manual daff there was yeah and the guy there they had like four said and atkinson's like the old Cab tech carved ones, and I had one of the sort of silver knight special edition ones. Yeah, of the, 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 oh, I don't know how many of them were left. It might have only been one of two. Yeah, uh, it's not many. 
Cummins 14 litre. I think the, the other one might have been Perkins engine, but yeah, super, super rare. Yeah. Uh, but hiding away, kind of getting worked on, still running, but not road legal. Yeah. Uh, and still in one piece very much, but you don't see a lot. Of, you don't see a lot of them. No, and, and especially something like that, it, it's not generally going to be coming all the way down south to some of the shows that like I go to, because it's just such no, a trek, don't. isn't it? Oh, it's such a trek in the central belt of Scotland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're not far from Thurzo there, and you can't really, you can't go much further than that. No, no, without dropping into the sea. It's a hell of a, hell of a jaunt. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's just been enjoyable, really, as well. Looking back at some of the, um, some of the iconic trucks, like you say, they they were customised of their time as well. But that's what I like about them because they were so much more individual. It wasn't just a case of copy, you know. Well, that that bloke's paint job looks like that. Well, I'm going to do the same sort of stripes, just a slightly different colour, and I'm going to have. Uh, the same bull bar and the same light bar and that and that and and they all uh, modern ones look a bit more sort of similar to each other i think although they you know they do look look the part a lot of them are sort of almost like just different shades of color to me and, and not particularly individual but that could just be me because i'm old uh maybe everything <laughs> nothing looks the same as it did when you were growing up when we, when we were young <laughs> yeah yeah Listening to the Trucking Driver podcast brought to you by TomTom. The TomTom Go navigation offers a specific set of truck features. You can set your cargo and truck dimensions for specific routes so you can drive confidently on suitable roads, making every journey efficient and reliable. Truck yeah. Now, the reason I am in Sweden uh, for a couple of days as it's one of Volvo's big launches. Volvo have said it's their biggest truck range launch ever because they're launching new products in North America with the new VNL and they've got two new models of FH and they've also got a new low entry FM, which is electric only. <laughs> but <laughs> a whole new fact. Have you seen anything about it online? I've seen a little bit. I mean just quickly about about the FM. I mean, that's that's your ideal machine for going into the cities, isn't it? If it's like um, oh, yeah. a rubbish yeah, truck, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's the perfect bin wagon. It's got a two hundred yeah. kilometer range, and it's got a crew cab, which has got the seats set back into the sleeper cab, um, and it's got a flat floor, low entry height. So it's perfectly designed because the three crew members aren't sat way up on an engine hump or anything. So it's well. Yeah. Well designed for what it is. I did drive an FM or an FH electric. Can't remember what it was. It might have been an FH electric LL today, and it just went just really quiet. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, funny. like distribution rigids that are doing last mile last mile deliveries. That's where they kind of kind of work. Tractor yeah. units, unless you can route them on hyper specific routes. Yeah, it's not really going to work. But Volvo have been saying that um, the like internal combustion engines are here to stay. It's part of um, a broader solution to transport. So they're not going anywhere. Because the interesting was, I mean, Volvo have just launched a massive diesel engine with, it's now they've gone and just moved slightly past Scania with 780 horsepower. I'm surprised they didn't go 800, yeah. to be honest. But 
they've just done that and it, but people were like losing their mind over the pictures of the truck because it's got mirror cams on it and mm-hmm. it's um, got a new kind of facelifted design which is called the FH Aero yeah. obviously you can call it that because Stab are no longer in business if they were Stab would have something to say about that because that was their top of the range car wasn't yeah Aero yeah uh, what you need to know about it is it's called the FH Aero. However, the, the standard FH is still being sold and will be going forward because it's cheaper than the Aero. The Aero has come about because of the length legislation changes back um, a couple of years ago, which uh, has allowed them to lengthen the cab. DAF were the first to take advantage of this, so you've got the bigger bunk, more space in the cab of the XG. So yeah. this is Volvo's variation of that. So it's 240 mil longer at the front because it's got a sloping, slightly sloping nose on it. I thought it looked all right. It looks like a mild... I, I don't, think it, looks, I don't like think it looks too bad. And I think once it's got in some fleet colours, if it's painted nicely, I think it will just look just good because, funny enough, it was uh, 11 years ago uh, in March, I think it was, I was there for the launch of the FH4 in... Mm-hmm. In Amsterdam or Holland, some wherever it was, and um, I remember when I see it, it's like, blooming heck, this just looks so different to the outgoing model. You're just not convinced by it because I remember distinctly with them. Obviously, they've got the the Volvo badge above, you know, above the grill, and I just thought, why is it not on the grill like traditionally with all the Volvos? And now they've put it lower down to the actual badge on the grill, but lower down. Just think, <laughs> just put it in the middle, but. I'm sure somebody, because I remember Bowker's moved their badges on their FH4s, and I thought it looked a lot better, but uh, I did see a video the other day, and, and Volvo sort of intentionally left this large sort of panel just below the window so you can put your company name on there for you yeah. know advertising. So have the, is the actual cab interior much bigger then, or has the whole extra been used oh, yeah. for, for optimum airflow? Well, the good news is that the Globetrotter XXL is coming to the UK, and it's got a much, much bigger bunk in it. It's like 240 mil wider, yeah. like 138 mil longer. So the bunk's huge. Yeah. So there is, there is that. Um the cabin, there's been various tweaks to the inside. There's a new type of sat-nav. There's new levels of connectivity, so your business apps can be connected through the screen on the dash. Yeah. A few tweaks to colours and, and trims. But the, the, big th- the big change is that they're going, they have a mirror cam system, but you can still have mirrors on both the FH and, as far as we can tell, the FH Aero, because if you go into Volvo's truck configurator, you can put mirrors on an FH Aero. Right. So you can have it either. You can have it either way. The mirror cam. I drove a couple of them today. The image is very clear on it. I couldn't get any LED headlights in it to see if it was going to flicker or not. But the interesting thing about this mirror cam uh, overall is it's got infrared technology, so you can see in the dark. Uh-huh. And I reckon the darker it is, the better you'll be able to see in the dark. It'll be like night vision looking backwards. Right. Uh, which is interesting, which is something that nobody's really done before. Interestingly, they don't have a corner vision camera like the DAF. Well, well not at all? Uh, not at the moment. They will have, uh, but not yeah, at the moment. Yeah. They've still got the traditional uh, class six and seven mirrors, whatever they're called, looking down at the front and at the curb. That seems so, a bit strange that you've done all of that but not put the corner 
Cameron, doesn't it? I think they've had so much to do. They've concentrated fully on the mirror cams at the moment. Um, yeah. And there's various set there's, there's various settings on them. You can change it to wide angle. There's the auto panning with the trailers. There is a passenger blind spot camera. And you can go and like set those yellow lines on them so you can calibrate it to the back of the trailer or just before it. Yeah. Uh, or just after it, rather. 15-inch uh, screen on the passenger side, 12-inch on the driver's side. Obviously, you still, because the screen's that much closer to the driver, there's guys who've got long sight who won't be able to see it clearly close up. I don't know. Some people will take it on. I can see it. I, I just can't. I don't see the systems taking over from mirrors completely because I'm seeing more Mercs. I'm seeing most of the DAFs that I see have got mirrors on them, but... It does look like a, it does look as far as mirror cams go, and somebody who's like, meh, it's technology for the sake of technology. It does look, it does look like they've actually managed to do something that nobody else has done yet mm. with the, um, the infrared on it. So, not to give that a go, because as I've said before, I am a fan of mirror cam. I prefer it to conventional mirrors, but I certainly know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with age as well, with my eyesight and how it's going to change as it will for everybody throughout your life, how it's going to a, a, a affect it. Well, I know that there's been guys at big fleets, uh, several of them who've gone in with medical certificates from the doctor, yeah. saying that they can't drive mirror cam trucks because they can't see the near side ca- the camera that's nearest to them. The yeah. offside camera. So some of these cam- I noticed that Kidwell had an actress I saw the other day with mirrors on it. So if they're going back to them, then... Um, I just, I guess it's just more happy. It's potentially creating some difficulty for some hauliers. It just, and there's not really an enormous benefit to it in a lot of cases. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But Volvo have made it optional, so don't get your knickers on a twist. You can still buy an FH with a flat front on it. Don't worry, calm and, down. And mirrors. <laughs> Yeah, you can still get the normal sort of stuff there. So it, with the panning, you can adjust it to follow the steering from 16.5-metre trailers up to the 34.5-metre trailer combo. Now, you might have seen on our social media the uh, pictures of the FH780, which is because Sweden has now got long combinations, which are basically two full-length 45-foot trailers which can be pulled on certain routes from the end of last year up to 74 tonnes. And that is a long, that is a long outfit. Mm. Um, Can you imagine running that in the UK? No, (laughs) you can't. If you really want to make efficiency savings, tow two trailers with a a big, powerful truck. But no, you're not going to see that in the UK. No, it it, it would be ideal for just motorway trucking from a hub at, say, Northampton, really close to the motorway. Get on the motorway, just get going up to you know, Manchester or I mean, even the central belt of Scotland, something like that, it'll be suitable and just come straight off the motorway into another depot. That'd be ideal. But there would always be people wanting to run them in the towns and stuff like that. And and a lot of infrastructure is, isn't near to the motorway either, is it? Well, that's what you'd have to do. Yeah, I mean, you, they can build these super hubs at the side of the motorways. And all you do is go and set out some landing areas for them. So they go from, leave from point A to point B, and then they get decoupled. The back trailer comes off and a shunt unit takes a second trailer into the hub. But yep. uh, two words for why that would never be possible in the UK, highways, England. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the government, but it's much the yeah, same, right. isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Close enough. And there's, yep. um, 
their dedicated policy of closing the motorways at night all yeah. over the place. Even when they finish, notice the smart motorway sections they did just a few years ago, they're having to resurface the bits of the hard shoulder they went and did, which they said they took ages over because they had to go and like reinforce it and it's all collapsing. Yeah. Uh, so they're co- and they're constantly mucking about at night playing about with those overhead gantries. So there's constant road closures on, on the on the main motorway network, and you obviously you would be a very hard push to go and take one of those double trailer outfits uh, off, especially with the amount of islands and traffic camming and crap that they put in the way these days. The amount of places you can only squeeze a a single forty five foot trailer through, getting round junctions and places wouldn't happen. But the Swedes have got the right idea with that. Did you get to drive one or not? Andy did. I didn't manage to. I went. And I ended up out in a five hundred turbo compound or something and right. then I, hung, I think I went and drove another truck but I waited because I was told I could drive the 780 uh, and then right at the end where I could know that's time up but to be fair Martin Tomlinson from Volvo he's getting a 780 later this year and he says oh you can have that tr- you just you can have that for a week don't worry about it I'm like hey deal oh, nice I'll get a, a, a go with that which will be completely unstressed and um, you know uh, at 44 tons but that'd be nice because I had the 750 a couple of years ago now and yeah they're just the same they, these mega power trucks they, you only really see what they're doing when they get up to about 65 tons Yeah, that's when they start to show you what they can do but speaking of the new F816 it's no longer a 16 litre no it's a 17 isn't it this just shows you a, a, a statement of the reality of where transport is going to go with them developing this new massive engine. Now, this engine really isn't for our market. It's for Scandinavia where they're pulling B-doubles yeah. running 65, 74 tonnes or Australia where they will run 90, 100 tonnes all the time. And, of course, your heavy haulage applications. But it's now a 17.3-litre engine. They're not calling it the FH-17 because FH-16's a brand and all that. So yeah. It's a completely new engine, 70 kilos lighter. It's got a new turbo, new pistons, new injectors, and it's it's top output, 780 horsepower, 3,800 newton meters of torque, and it also has 600 and 700 outputs. It's got a revised eye shift in it with polished gears to reduce friction, and there's various other bits of trickery. It's got low drag brake discs and pads and calipers. When you hit the brakes... Um, instead of there's always a bit of residual drag on the pads, it seems to be that there's an ability in the calipers to suck the pads away from the disc using a patented Volvo design. So there's loads of little um, efficiency savings in amongst all that. So I'd be interested. It is. I mean, I I like the look of the Aero. I say I would personally probably have one with mirrors on it because I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> um, but you can have it either way. The aero does cost more, but I reckon there's a lot of fuel savings to be had for that. But then again, it depends on your application. Mm-hmm. If you're pulling trailers which have got an element of aerodynamics to it, then the whole package could come together really well because they've sealed up all sorts of gaps. And I reckon they've got quite a, a big efficiency saving out what they've done there. But then again, if you're pulling low loaders with excavators on the back, I would very much doubt it's going to make all that much of a difference because of the weight and the drag factor. So you might as well save yourself some money and get a regular flat-fronted one. Yeah, it's not going to be worth worth it financially, is it? Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not going to be. So, uh, yeah, quite uh, inter- really interesting times there with them launching that new diesel engine mm. with 
investing so heavily in the super engine in recent times as well. These are engines that are designed to take us well into the future because they're all pushing net the net zero and CO two targets. And they don't they, these companies don't have a choice. They can't say no, we're not doing it because they won't be allowed to make trucks anymore, or they would have massive financial penalties. So yes. I mean, the work that they're doing, the engineering, and, and the the task that they've got to undertake because they've got to make electric trucks as well. And they're building a new massive battery factory at Sweden at Gothenburg at the moment. And you want to see the amount of construction equipment that's there. And they're digging it out from a massive hill of solid granite. So there must be like 30 excavators, dumpers, tipper lorries coming in and out all the time from there, unloading it. And look at the amount of uh, equipment that was working on that. And I was thinking, that's one patch of land, like what a few acres that they're working on. That is more equipment working on that than you would see on 20 miles of smart motorway roadworks. <laughs> probably all the smart motorway works in the whole of the UK. It was just crazy when we came up in the bus to look at it. It was just excavators going everywhere all at the same time, big quarry yeah. dumping. And the, the, it's not e- it's not easy to go and dig into granite, so it no. was getting quarried out as well because um, it'll be getting crushed up and used as material again on the site. Yeah, that was quite uh, interesting to see. So yeah, so I, I guess now it will be wait for Scania's retort, and they'll push the eight hundred barrier. I guess I don't. Surely. I don't know. I mean, Volvo waited a long time. To do that, um, yeah. obviously they've waited till they've launched an entirely new engine. The Scania V8 is now, it's kind of older technology using, yeah. the, using the V8, um, which Scania kind of, the, the V8 is not necessarily the most efficient ways to build an engine now, but it's so iconic and so popular. Scania kind of know it inside out that they've continued doing it. And of course, if Scania went and said, now we're dropping the V8 and we're coming out with a new 16, 17 litre straight six, everybody would be devastated. But then again, <laughs> in the future, it would be better. It would be a lot better than them saying we're not going to do it at all anymore. I, I don't know. There's a political correctness element to all of that. I think Volvo could have probably gone for 800 easily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just for the sake of, uh, you know, not, um, not going overboard, they've just gone a bit further than. A bit further than that, will Scania respond? I guess so only time will tell. I, I don't know how long the V8 engine um, has. There's absolutely no way that they wouldn't produce a large capacity engine, though, because they sell engines into Australia where yeah. they have road trains. And of course, Scania have Scania's engine has re the 13 liter super is now available in, in international trucks in North America and Canada. Right. Which will be a get that with a Scania Overdrive gearbox will be a game changer uh, over there for a lot of operators yeah. because previously you, the only show in town really for a lot of trucks has been Cummins and of course they've always had that Eaton Ultra Shift automatic which is absolute junk that's like a Phase One AS Tronic <laughs> if anybody's ever endured one of those. So one of those Scania Supers running 560 horsepower with overdrive box in a North American truck, that could do really well. Mm. Uh, I know that Packard has sold the MX-13 on a lot of trucks over there, but it's overstressed. Yeah. Um, then again, DAF, must, DAF will be bringing out an updated 13-litre engine at some point because their MX-11 is a lot more advanced. It's a twin 
uh, double overhead camshaft engine, um, and which is capable of sort of higher uh, running at the higher pressures required. The MX-13 is kind of running on older technology, so we'll probably see something from them at some point. But uh, I'll say again, diesel's not going. Uh, diesel's not going anywhere. But, no. Um, it's going to be electric trucks are probably going to be used to, you know, they will get used to go and run into the middle of city centres and things. But, you know, to the vast majority of people who drive trucks and listen to this podcast, you, you're, you're still going to be putting diesel in your truck for a long time to come. I don't know what would happen with hydrogen in the future. No. Because it could be a solution, but there's an enormous cost involved and you need to be able to um, produce the hydrogen and... Uh, it's yeah. I mean, just did you see the thing in the news last week? It's been all over the news with the the, the army guy who said that Britain might need to call people up and conscript them to the army if we went to war with Russia. No, you didn't see that. No, I missed that. Oh, it was in the news. It was it was all over the news. This army guy said, you know, oh well, you know, the army's at its lowest level, and you know, Putin's going to do this and that, and everything. And we might end up at war with Russia in the future, so we might have to call people up. And there were like various people in the government who said, oh no, 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 we're not thinking about that or anything. I'm like, yeah, but he said it. He's putting it out there. Yeah, I was like, I was like good luck getting people to go and sign up to fight that. But then I thought, how could Britain possibly run a war economy? We have just shut the last blast furnace in the country at Port Talbot in Wales, a loss of 2,500 jobs. So we can't produce any steel. We don't produce any oil or gas. We don't have any coal-fired power plants, even though we've got a lot of coal. Mm -hmm. So I would reckon a few well-aimed missiles from Russia would bring the country to a complete halt within about a day. Probably. Like, <laughs> how would having a war line up with your net zero 2050 Paris Climate Accord goals? Yeah, how the how how would any of how would any of that offset your carbon footprint? <laughs> yeah, carbon footprint stuff is like yeah, yeah, very very good. But it's, there's no infrastructure for for anything. Uh, like um, I mean, Volvo have got for their electric test trucks. They've got a they've got a fantastic generator trailer because when yeah. you take out, it's got a 13 liter Volvo Penta engine in it, which produces about 800 horsepower and it can charge a truck from flat to full in an hour and 40 minutes. Crikey. But they've got to take that trailer out with the electric trucks to new places to get people to try them because there is no infrastructure in place to charge them. Yeah. And tell me what the government is doing about it. Nothing. We're not seeing any HGV charging infrastructure being put in anywhere for anybody to have the ability to do that. There doesn't seem to be any plan to either. Not to produce any extra electricity to facilitate it. And Volvo have got trucks which can really do a job electric-wise, as do some other manufacturers as well. But it comes down to infrastructure and electricity generation with, with stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it's been an interesting trip. Um, Vol yeah, Volvo are doing a further event where they're going to let us loose in more of these trucks. I'm currently trying to, I was trying to drop hints because they're taking the trucks to Greece apparently. Oh. So I was like, uh, I was like, come on, Martin, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. How are the trucks getting there? How are they getting yeah. there? I was like, I could drive one from you know the UK yeah, or Sweden to Greece. Oh, from Spain. 
Oh, from Sweet. That'd be a nice little jolly. Yeah, I, think, uh, I don't think it'd be possible to run one out, but I think he mentioned that it might be possible to bring one back. Yeah. So that would be all right, fly out to Greece. Yeah. Muck about for a couple of days. So well, it remains to be seen if that's possible. It'd be wonderful if it was. Yeah, um, yeah too, right? If you, if you need an extra pair of hands, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. non-stop all the way. But yeah, yeah um, we'll wrap the, we'll wrap this one up now because I need to go downstairs and meet the people for dinner. Yeah, and I better go and have my dinner. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks very much for joining us on this podcast. Hope you found that um, useful, folks. Hope you've learned some stuff about the new Volvo Aero range. There will be a full update in the magazine and a full update online on Truck and Driver if you go on there or check our social media. Everything you would possibly need to know about this exciting new massive diesel-powered truck. Hooray! Hey! Good news, everybody. And you can have mirror cams if you like them, and you can have mirrors if you want as well. What's not to like? Exactly. Everyone's a winner. Yeah, you can have an aerodynamic one. You can have one that's shaped like a brick. (laughs) Only thing, you can't have a manual gearbox, but you haven't been able to get one of them for a while. No. So that's that's the end of that for certain. Yeah, oh, well, well, to be fair, these days, the fact that they've improved the eye shift even more, you know, yeah, by polishing the gears and doing some other software updates to it as well, you know, yeah. that's uh, yeah, lovely stuff. You can, you can think to yourself, how can they make this better? But uh, the innovation and determination of these truck uh, manufacturer engineers is really, really uh, quite impressive, isn't it? They, they keep improving things and making things uh, better and better and more more efficient all the time but also make them more powerful so yeah, yeah thanks very much Matt um, yes. I will catch up with you again soon yes mate been a pleasure cheers cool. see you soon thank you for tuning in to the Truck and Driver podcast proudly sponsored by TomTom as a special thanks to our listeners for trucking through the holiday season we're giving away one month free of TomTom Go Navigation Truck Simply download the Go Navigation app and use the code TRUCKYEAH, that's T-R-U-C-K-Y-E-A-H, when subscribing. Safe travels, folks.